Well, good morning. We do welcome everyone together from all of our campuses, and uh, we wish everyone a happy Father's Day. We welcome back to Barry. We know we've had some challenges with some tech, and we're back online. So welcome you guys uh, to the service today. Here at the Bible Chapel, we exist to develop followers of Jesus Christ. We love the word develop because it means to bring into reality. That's the person who hasn't yet trusted in Christ, and it means to make stronger. That's the person who has trusted in Christ. And we believe that a developing follower of Jesus Christ is involved in five things. We call these the five essentials of spiritual growth. Word, worship, connect, serve, share. Person is in the Word. They're reading the Word on a daily basis, not once or twice a week, but on a daily basis, the nourishment that has to come from the Word of God. They're worshiping the Lord with their lives, and worship is not just singing, but it's honoring God in everything we do. They're connected with other believers. Christian life was never meant to be lived solo. They're using their gift to serve, and they're telling others about Jesus. We want to focus today, actually, on that third essential, connect. And I want to begin with a question on this Father's Day. This is a question not just for fathers, but for everyone here, for men and women. And we have in this service fifth grade on up on all of our campuses. So fifth graders on up, every age, men or women, here's a question. Do you have a true friend? Do you have a true friend? I'm not asking you how many people you have following you on Twitter or Facebook. I don't care how many likes you got on your last Instagram post. If you're married, you cannot claim your spouse. They're your best friend. They should be, but no touchdown dance for that, right? That's just the deal. If you're a man, it can't be a woman. And if you're a woman, it can't be a man. That's obvious, but we need to state that obvious. The question is, do you have a true friend? Today, I, I, I want us to think about that question, and I want us to answer it through the, the truth filter of Scripture. And we're going to see three things today. We're going to see some relationship red flags, some things we want to we don't want to be, and some things we want to stay away from in relationships. We're going to see some things we don't want in a friendship. And then we're going to see the, the components of true friendship. So let's pray and ask God for his help as we do that. Father, you have made us for community. You tell us over and over in your word the danger of trying to do this thing alone. And so I pray today that you would use your word to speak clearly to us. You promise us that when your word goes out, it never comes back void, but it always accomplishes the purposes that you set it out to accomplish. And so we're asking you today, Lord, that you do that. We pray that we would be those who are open and, and vulnerable enough to have a, a person, a friend, speak into our life in a way that allows us to grow, and we pray that we would be a friend 
that does the same in the life of another. We thank you for Jesus, who is a friend who never leaves us nor forsakes us. And Father, we pray that all of our friendships are, are, are centered and wrapped around him. We've come together, and we've sung, and we've interacted, but now, Lord, together in all of our campuses, we want to pray as Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Okay, take your Bibles and open them to the Old Testament book of Proverbs as we continue our study through this book. Our church-wide uh, challenge has been to read a chapter of the Proverbs every day as we go through this series. So if you're doing that, you've just finished the first read-through, and now you're on read-through number two. And I really appreciate many of you doing that. You've been telling me about it. And some of you have actually been applying some of the things that you've been learning. I got a picture this week from a person. They sent a picture of this shirt, a Proverbs shirt. Here's what the Proverbs shirt says. I wanted to go jogging, but Proverbs 28.1 says, the wicked run when no one is chasing them. So there's that. So we're going to try to help put some of these in context uh, as well. Proverbs was written primarily by a man named Solomon, the third king of Israel. He reigned in Israel from 971 B.C. to 931 B.C. Again, he's the primary writer, and during his time, time of antiquity, in the ancient times, there were other wise men and there were other wise sayings, but the book of Proverbs is distinct in this. Solomon says right from the beginning, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. We have said that the fear of the Lord is to honor God, to have awe of him, to have an, a, a respect for him, a familial, like a father, wanting to please him, appreciating all that he's doing for us and responding to him in the appropriate manner. That's the beginning of knowledge. Solomon says it like this in 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning. That word is a beautiful word, capstone. It's what holds it together. It is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The word wisdom means not just knowledge, not just intellect, not just things we know, but taking what we know from Scripture, biblical truth, and applying it into everyday life. That's the theme of the song, every, so, uh, the Proverbs, everyday wisdom for everyday life. If you're a visual learner like I am, let's look at the Proverbs like this. The Proverbs always start with God. And when you see God in the Proverbs, it is the translation of the Hebrew word Yahweh. In our English translation, it's always translated with Lord in all caps. And the beauty of that word, that name for God, there are many names for God, but that name for God means covenantal God, a God of relationship, 
a God who loves us, a God who desires to walk with us, the God in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, who stooped down and breathed into man the breath of life. There are two people in the Proverbs. This person over here uh, is called the wicked. This person is one who rejects a loving father. They want no uh, place. They have no place for God in their lives. They want nothing to do with God. They're going to do their own thing, their own way, their own time, regardless of anyone else. They live independently from God, and the Proverbs calls that person a fool. There is another person in uh, the Proverbs. Uh, this person is called a righteous person. This is a one who fears God. They love God. They have an awe and respect for God. They do what God tells them to do, and they are called a wise person. Now, again, righteousness is uh, seen, I think, about 60-some times uh, in the Proverbs, and there are two parts of righteousness. First of all is the position we are made righteous. We are not righteous on our own, but we're made righteous by Jesus Christ. Second uh, Corinthians 5.21, jot that down. He is the one who makes us righteous. We don't have a righteousness of our own. And righteousness simply means we have a right standing before God because of what Jesus has done. Not on our own, but because of what Jesus has done. That's the position. But there's also the practice. And the practice is those who have the right position want to do right things. And those right things are laid out for us in God's Word. That's why we read it every day. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5 says this, every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in Him. Solomon writes this book for parents to teach their children and for mentors to teach their students. It is an inspired textbook, both for teachers and parents, providing everyday wisdom for everyday life. To this point in our study, we have seen what the fear of God means. We have looked at pride and humility. We've looked at handling resources. We're going to look at purity. We're going to look at words, work, making plans. Again, the Proverbs focuses right here on this practice of life, this everyday wisdom for everyday life, where the rubber meets the road. How are we going to get this thing done? How are we going to do the right things since we have a right standing with God? Well, today we're going to look at a topic that echoes throughout the Proverbs, and that's the topic of friendship, biblical friendship. And we're going to look at the truth of Scripture, the Proverbs, to help answer this question do you have a true friend? Do you have a true friend? There are some red flags when we think about relationships. We all need relationships. Here are some red flags. Again, this is a person you don't want to be. This is a person you don't want to be a friend with. And that is the isolationist, the person who isolates himself or herself, the person who just is independent. They do things on their own. I had a friend, I had a person one time tell me, I spent, I, I had a great day. I spent the day with my best friend. Who was it? Myself. I was by myself. That's the isolationist. The proverb says, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. Why would he want anyone else in his life? He seeks his own desire. When you're your own, seeking your own desire, you're your own worst 
counselor. He breaks out or he rebels against all sound judgment. Again, why would he want anyone speaking in his life? He wants to be by himself. That's the isolationist. That is a red flag. That is a dangerous place to be. Dangerous place to be. Now, you can be an isolationist physically, obviously, but you can also isolate yourself emotionally. You can be surrounded by people and still be isolated. And particularly in a day of social media, when everyone is on their phone all the time, you can be isolated from other people. So I'm, I'm putting gas in our car the other day, and uh, in the next stall over, our car pulls up, and it's a, it's a young man and young woman. I don't know if they were girlfriend, boyfriend. I don't know if they were married. But uh, the girl got out of the car uh, to pump the gas. Now, I'm old-fashioned, but that just ticked me off right there, right? <laughs> that guy should have gotten out of the car and pumped the gas. But the whole time, he's looking at his phone, just like this. The whole time. She pumps the gas. She get ba gets back in the car, and I'm a bit of a creeper at this time. I admit it. <laughs> And she says something to him, and he never looks up. He's on his phone the whole time when they were pulling off, still on his phone, isolating himself when she is three feet away. The person who isolates himself is in a dangerous, dangerous situation. Another red flag, the person surrounded by yes friends. There are people who have a lot of people around them, but they're all, yes, friends. They are going to be in control, and if anyone ever speaks to them or challenges them, they're not in their friend group anymore. They want people to agree with their words and their actions and their lifestyle. Uh, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 2, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his Opinions. Now, we said that a fool is a wicked person who rejects God, but a believer can do foolish things. And the fool or a believer acting like a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, only in expressing his opinion. I love the word expressing uh, his opinion. It literally means uncovering his heart. Now, you know, in the Scripture, a heart is the center of our mind and emotion and our will. So here is a person who just wants others around him or her to express his heart so they can all agree with him. He's going to tell you about his thoughts so you can accept them. He's going to tell you about his feelings so you can confirm them. He's going to tell you about his actions so you can approve them. This person wants their thoughts, their philosophy, their lifestyle approved. They need, yes, friends. You don't want those friends. You don't want to be that person. There's another a verse here, Proverbs chapter 18, uh, verse 24 says this, many, the man of many companions may come to ruin. You can have a lot of people around you. Again, you can have thousands of Facebook friends. Those are companions. You can still come to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now, in the New Testament, we always apply that to Christ. Solomon was not thinking about Jesus when he wrote that. He was thinking about that true 
friend. Talk more about that in a little bit. Here's, a, here's the last uh, red flag that we want to look at today. The isolationist, you don't want to be that person. You, do, you don't want that friend. The person surrounded by yes friends, you don't want to be that person. You don't want to be surrounded by, by those friends. The smartest person in the room. That's a friend you don't want to have. Some people have to be the smartest person in the room, don't they? They know it all. They know about everything there is to know about everything there is to know. This person knows exactly what you should do in every situation, regardless of their training or experience or expertise. The smartest person in the room is always right. The smartest person in the room has to be right. Proverbs 12, 15 says this, The way of the fool is right in his own eyes. But the wise man listens to advice. The wise man listens. But the smartest man in the room doesn't need any advice. He doesn't need to listen. Why waste time listening to all the little piglets when he's the big pig, right? And this is the type, if you're a leader in this situation, you've got, always got people irritated at you. Proverbs 13.10 says this, By insolence, by pride, comes nothing but strife. There's going to be strife around you. But with those who take advice, there is wisdom. Proverbs 10.8, The wise of heart will receive commandments, but a babbling fool will come to ruin. And another problem if you are a leader and you're the smartest person in the room, or you think you are, then you're going to impact others. Proverbs 10, 17, whoever heeds instruction is on the path of life, but he who rejects reproof leads others astray. You see, the wise person wants to surround himself or herself with people more experienced in areas, who've been down different paths, who's smarter than they are, more gifted, more experienced. That's how you grow as a person. That's how organizations grow. I love what Clint Hurdle, the manager of the Pittsburgh Pirates, he always says, he says, I got to have smart people around me, people who are smarter than me. And here's what he says. He says, if I'm the smartest person in the room, I either need to change rooms or get different people in the room. Those are the red flags. Isolationists, surrounded by yes friends, smartest people in the room. I'm kind of laughing to myself because some of you are silently saying, but I really am the smartest person in the room. We have counseling uh, for you. <clears throat> okay, red flags, got to be careful with that. Now, here are some things we want to do when we start looking for friendships, and we're teaching this to our kids too, right? We're doing it ourselves, we're showing it, but we're also teaching it to our kids. Here are people who will bring you down. Here are people you want to stay away from. And the first person there is the gossip. You want to stay away from the gossip. Proverbs 17, 9, whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. The American satirist from Oklahoma, Will Rogers. Remember Will Rogers? He used to say, it used to be said about Will Rogers, he never met a person he didn't like. Well, a gossip has never met a story they didn't want to share. 
especially when it made another person look really, really bad. And you can be sure. If a gossip is talking to you about other people, guess what? They're talking to other people about you. You want to be really careful to open up your heart to a gossip. Here's another person who will bring you down, an angry person. Proverbs 22, 24, and 25, make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you what? Come like him. You learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Uh, The Hebrew phrase given to anger literally is a possessor of anger. Now, all of us get irritated about stuff. Some of us get irritated more, more often than others. This is not someone who gets irritated. This is a person whose life is characterized by anger. There's something deep-seated going on. They are a possessor of anger. It's not a rare occurrence. They are resentful. They are bitter. There's wrath. There's fury going on. That person spews out verbal abuse, even physical abuse. By the way, young people, if you are dating someone who is a possessor of anger, break off that relationship today. I don't care if you're getting married tomorrow. Break it off today. And if you want to talk to men or women mostly who have been abused, you can peel that thing back and they'll say, yeah, yeah, when we were dating, there were some telltale signs. Now, if you're in one of those relationships, if you're a person given to anger, get some help. Get some help before you hurt someone or continue to hurt others. Something's going on in your heart. Get some help. And if you're in a relationship where you're with the person given to anger and there's abuse, we would never ask you to stay in that relationship. Get out get to a place of safety. If we can help you do that, we will. And then let's get that person some help so that this can be a marriage that honors God. If you hang around angry people, you're going to learn their ways, and sooner or later, you entangle yourself in a snare. Here's the third person you don't want to hang around. Not the gossip, not the angry person, and not the pleasure seeker. Look at 28.7, Proverbs 28.7, the one who keeps the law is a son with understanding, but a companion of gluttons shames his father. Now, the word glutton there is not just speaking of a person who eats too much. This describes someone who is morally reprehensible, a person giving, given to materialism, a person given to alcohol or drugs, a foul mouth, sexual impurity, pornography. That person has no discipline in their life, nor do they want discipline in their life. In fact, they rebel against any form of discipline. Well, you say, look, I got a person like that in my life, but you know what? I, I'm, I'm witnessing to them. And I'm, I'm dating a person like that, but I'm witnessing to them. I'm sharing Jesus with them. 
Isn't that what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to share Jesus with these people. And, you know, I'm going to go in and I'm going to change them. Well, two things. One, when you're leaving, don't knock off your halo on the door, right? Just be careful with that. And secondly, you can't change anyone's heart. They change you. And if you get involved with someone as a true friend, now I'm not talking about people you're witnessing. Now we're talking about a true friend here. You're not going to change them. They're going to change you. And you go play in a mud puddle. The mud puddle doesn't become clean, does it? You become dirty. And the Proverbs remind us over and over again. You hang out with that person, you learn that person's ways. Proverbs 29, 24, the partner of a thief. Not the thief, the partner of the thief. Hates his own life. He hears the curse but discloses nothing. He knows better. Play with fire, you're going to get burned. Okay, so we don't want to hang out with the gossip, right? We don't want that person to be our true friend. The angry person, the pleasure seeker. So let's think about five things. On your notes, I only have three, but I've got five. Two bonus, two bonus ones today, all right? Five things that you need to look for in a true friend. And five things you need to be as a true friend. Number one, a person who sticks through the good and the bad. Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born in adversity. Fair-weather friend are those who like to hang out with you when things are going well. They like to hang out with you when there are some benefits from hanging out with you. But when you go through a difficult time, when the bottom falls out in your life, look around, see who's still there. Those are the potential true friends. Even when you cause the bottom to fall out of your life. They don't always agree with everything you do. But they love you unconditionally and they're willing to invest in you because they know at some point you're going to need to invest in them. This is a reciprocal relationship going on. Secondly, you need to look for a person not only who's going to stick with you through the good or bad, but you need to find that person who sharpens your character. Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron and one man sharpens another. In the Hebrew, it literally says... He sharpens the face of his friend. The word face emphasizes a person's character, emphasizes a person's personality. So when you sharpen something, you are improving it. You are refining it. A true friend develops each other's character. They have, a, they, have a, they have their theology straight first. They have their life in order. They don't have to go around talking about Jesus all the time to you. You don't have to be getting together for a Bible study every time you meet. But just being with them, their lifestyle, how they do true wisdom, right? Everyday wisdom, everyday life. Putting biblical practice into the fabric of their life. You see that. You understand that. That sharpens you. That's a true friend. Here at the Bible Chapel and all of our campuses, we, we have... We have uh, youth coming from a lot of different high schools 
But since we started here in the South Hills of Pittsburgh, and particularly in Peters Township, uh, uh, we have for many years been a part of the the high school, the public high school uh, baccalaureate, uh, Christian baccalaureate service. And we get teachers to come and speak to the graduating seniors. It's all voluntary, and kids come, and we get teachers to speak to them. Uh, this year, just a few weeks ago, a guy named Christian Lesnet, who is the assistant principal at Peters, spoke. And uh, Christian's a great guy. He's a strong uh, believer. And the teachers always tell me, man, I, we love speaking to this because we get to talk about Jesus we get to actually talk about Jesus. We can't do that in the public classroom, and they shouldn't. It's a public school, right? You don't want the Muslim teachers talking about Allah, do you? you know, and we got to be careful what we do. So, so they say, you know, we can't do all that. But, man, it's great to be able to talk about Jesus here. So here's what Christian Lesnett said as he addressed the, as he addressed the, the students. He said this. He said, uh, you know, we've had, some, we've had a lot of experiences together. For those of you who have been here for four years, as I've been your assistant principal. He said, some of the situations we've had have been great. Some of you I've had some challenging times with. Then here's what he said. Tonight, I get to talk about Jesus. I get to talk about my relationship and my love for Jesus Christ. Then he said, if anything I say, if you hear me say tonight, contradicts what you've seen in me for the last four years, I have failed. I love that. You can't talk about Jesus in the public school appropriately. If you're sending your kids to public school, it's not something you expect. But Christian Lesnar said, I don't have to talk about Jesus to demonstrate the love of Christ, the compassion of Christ, how Christ would handle a situation. And we could say that, right? If you hear me talking about Jesus and it's not matching my lifestyle, you're saying, what in the world is that guy talking about? That is a, that's a failure. See, iron sharpens iron is not, is not in your face always talking about Jesus and accountability and all that. It's an ongoing life demonstration of what it looks like to walk with Jesus person who's going to build you up, going to stick with you through the thick and thin, it's going to sharpen your character, and a person who's a true friend, not a companion, not an acquaintance, a true friend is a person who will tell you what you don't want to hear. Now, honestly, honestly, most people will tell you what you want to hear, right? You go to a companion and you say, man, I'm really irritated about this, blah, 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 blah. They say, well, I would be irritated too. But a true friend is willing to invest in you. And a true friend is willing to say, you know what? You may not be right on this one. In fact, I don't think you're right on this one. In fact, I heard you say something that was a little off. I saw you do something that just probably wasn't right. Proverbs 27, uh, 5 and 6 says, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse or plentiful are the kisses of an enemy. Proverbs 28, 23 says, Whoever rebukes a man will afterwards find more favor than he who flatters with his tongue. Now, of course... If you're a true friend and have a true friend, 
then you're going to respond to that in a particular way, right? Here's how not to respond to it. Proverbs 9, 8 and 9, do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. Proverbs 25, 12, and 13, like gold ring or an ornament of gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. And Proverbs 15, 31, and 32, the ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself. I'm going to read that one again. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens, there's an idea, isn't it? Listening. But he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. Number four. It's going to stick to you through thick and, with you through thick and thin. It's sharpen your character. It's going to tell you some things you don't want to hear. And there's going to be a person who always listens to both sides of the story. First, they're going to hear your side. They're going to actually allow you to share the whole story without interrupting and telling you how to fix it halfway through. Proverbs 18, 13 says, If one gives an answer before he hears, it is folly and shame. Be a listener. Now, we always want to present our side, don't we? And that's the only side we know how to present. And we do it with great passion. A good friend listens and empathizes and helps us put the whole picture in perspective. That's what a good friend does. Proverbs 18, 17. I, this is one of my favorite passages. We talk about this all the time in, in, with the elders. The one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him. Isn't that right? Man, I, I, don't, do, I don't do marriage counseling hardly ever. One, I'm not very good at it, and two, I just don't do it anymore. But when I did it, I'd have a spouse come in, and they would present their side of the story, and I'd say, man, you, you, you married Satan. You married Satan. How did that happen? Then the other spouse would come in. Oh, there's another side of the story. And I didn't know who married Satan after I listened to both of them or not. The one who states his case first always seems right until the other comes to examine him. One more. You want to have someone who's going to stick with you through thick and thin. You're going to have someone who sharpens your character. You want to have someone who's willing to tell you what you don't want to hear. You want to have someone who's going to listen to both sides of the story and put it in perspective. And you want to have someone who will give you godly counsel. That means they have to be a what? A believer. Proverbs chapter 14, 7 through 9 says this, Leave the presence of a fool. Get away. For there 
You do not meet words of knowledge. The wisdom of the prudent is to discern his way, but the folly of the fools is deceiving. Proverbs 19, 20 and 21. Listen to advice and accept instruction. Listen and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Now, why in the world did Solomon put listen to others and God's plan in the same couplet? Because many times, if it's a godly person, God will speak to us about His plans for us through other people, right? Through True friends, those who always have our best interest in mind. Proverbs 27, 9 and 10, oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Okay, so back to the question. Using the guidelines of Scripture, do you have... A true friend. Using the guidelines of Scripture, are you a true friend? Now, friendship doesn't happen overnight. But there are many, many places you can start here at the Bible Chapel in all of our campuses to begin the process. We have a tremendous men's group. Again, you're not going to have a true friend your first time there, but as you get involved, you can prayerfully develop someone who is a biblical true friend. We have a tremendous women's group. Same thing. We have small groups. We have ways for you to get involved. It kills me. It kills me when people leave the church and they say, you know what, man, I just never, I never found anyone. I never just found anyone to hang out with. You know, no one accepted me. I say, okay, let's, let's think about it. Were you in the men's ministry? Nah. I don't have time for that. I travel a lot. Uh, you in the women's ministry? No, 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 I don't do that. You in a small group? No, we're never in a small group. I mean, what do you expect? Friendship has this vulnerability that goes with it. You've you got you to put yourself out there a little bit. So if you have that true friend, thank God. Not for companions and acquaintances, not for yes friends. Thank God he has placed someone like that in your life. If you don't have that true friend, the ball is in your court. We don't have a program for this. We don't have any steps for this. This is your responsibility before the Lord. There's an old African proverb that says this. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. I love that. You want to go fast? Have at it, man. But you got to go by yourself. But if you want to go far... You're going to make an impact. You've got to have others around you. 
Solomon said it a lot better than that African proverb. Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 through 12, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. He's going fast. Oh, but he trips by himself. Again, if two lie together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Solomon, talking about a friend, and now you're talking about three? Yeah, because remember the distinguishing factor of the Proverbs? It all begins with who? God. You, your friend, and God, this threefold cord, man, that, that is a strong life. In a moment, at all of our campuses, uh, some men are going to come up and lead uh, all the men in a, in a Father's Day prayer. We're going to do that in just a second. But before we do that, I wanted to, uh, you to see this short video from uh, one of our pastoral staff who's just taken another position. Matt Tadero has been on our staff for uh, several years, and uh, Matt has done a lot of jobs here, and he's been a great friend. I know to many of you, and a great friend of our church. Matt was a public school teacher before he, uh, he, he joined us here, and I think of that Christian Lesnet story. Uh, many times after Matt joined us, right after he joined, his students would come down, and uh, I, I would remember some of them came to me and said, where's, where's Matt? Where's Mr. Tadero? I want to pray with him. And uh, Matt usually stood uh, right over there, and the students would go pray with him, and I thought, how cool that his students weren't surprised about his trust in, in Jesus. Well, Matt's taken another position, and uh, they left quick. In fact, they, are, they left Thursday to head off to uh, Columbia, South Carolina. So uh, I want all our campuses to watch this video, and then right after the video, we'll, we'll cut uh, to the campuses, and the men will come and lead us uh, in prayer. After 11 years of being blessed to, to worship here and for the last nearly five years to serve as a pastor here at the Bible Chapel, our season here is done. And I just wanted to take this time to say thank you. Thank you to the congregation. Thank you to the people that have served in the various ministries that I've served in. Thank you to the staff. Thank you to the elder board. And most importantly, thank you to the Lord. It has been such an amazing, uh, such a humbling and such an honoring experience to serve here. It is just uh, so overwhelming to see the amazing things God is doing to continue to develop followers of Him through all of you. And for those of you that have known me for the last eight years, I've been serving as an Army Reserve Chaplain, and God has opened a door for me to pursue that calling full-time. And so it's bittersweet to say my wife and my children and I are gonna be moving to Columbia, South Carolina to serve as a full-time Army Chaplain at Fort Jackson. And so if you could, we would love for you to be praying for my family as we transition down, especially my daughters, leaving in the door in the middle school years. And uh, just, uh, again, want to thank all of you. It is, it is a sad day for my family, uh, but it's an exciting day because I know God is going to continue to raise up people to do His work here at this church. And so on behalf of my family, love you guys. Take care. God bless.
aren't going to miss Matt. All right, uh, I'm going to invite the uh, men to come on down. Uh, we're going to close out this Father's Day in prayer. Please don't be bashful. Let's come on down. We're going to lock, lock arms. And we're going to do three things. The first thing we're going to do is gonna, we're going to pray for our buddy Matty. Then we're going to close in prayer. And then I'm going to ask the uh, pastoral staff and the elders to come down. And we'll have uh, people that are willing to pray with uh, uh, anybody. Now, as you, we were listening to the challenge that was issued by Ron, uh, the question becomes, are you connected? And uh, are you in a Bible study? Are you in a huddle? Are you one of the classes we have? And uh, the reality of it is, is that we have Bible studies every day for men in this church. Uh, three mornings, four mornings a week, every night. You cannot, you cannot miss a Bible study for men. I mean, seriously, unless you're intentionally doing so. So uh, as Ben's pastor, I, I, I just want to get every man connected. So let's go ahead and lock arms, and we're going to close in prayer. And as we celebrate fatherhood, as we celebrate manhood, let's contemplate what we have to do to be the men that, have called, that God has called us to be, to be the husbands and the fathers. And as we celebrate this day, I just want to say this. I hope you guys all have a blessed, blessed day. So let's uh, join in prayer. Father, you're an awesome God, and we just praise your holy name. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for the cross. We thank you that we can come and uh, worship at a great church. Uh, we thank you for all the men in here who are iron sharpeners. We thank you for the men that are encouragers. We thank you for all the men that lead Bible studies, Lord, and we just pray, Lord, I pray for the man out there who's not connected. Lord, I pray that you tug at his heartstring right now and get him in one of our groups. And we thank you so much for Matt today, our Lord. Matt has had such a tremendous impact on this church, such a tremendous impact on, uh, on the men of this church and on the families of this church. For he and Jen have uh, just been a, a great couple. They're his uh, daughters and his son, Lord. We just uh, we thank you for them. We thank you for the impact that Matt has had on the Army. As, uh, as an Army Reserve chaplain. And Lord, as he goes into full-time Army, Lord, we just pray uh, that he would continue to have a huge impact for the kingdom. And Lord, we thank, we just thank you for him. We pray for he and Jen and the kids that the transition would be smooth, especially for the girls. Uh, they're in a vulnerable time of life. Uh, Lord, I, I pray that they would meet friends right away and they would be received in their new neighborhood. I just pray that you continue to bless this family uh, as they go forth to do your work, Lord. And so be with Matt as he ministers, Lord. Uh, open every heart of all the soldiers that he will be sharing with. And Lord, we just pray that he would continue to have a great impact for the kingdom. And as men, Lord, we pray that for ourselves. We want to be part of your work here on earth. We want to be part of kingdom work. We don't want to just walk through this life say we're Christians, Lord, we want to have an impact. And Lord, so we just pray, I just pray for all of us as men. Lord, cause us to be the husbands that you have called us to be. Cause us to love our wives sacrificially and unconditionally as you love the church. Cause us as fathers to love our children and to mentor them. Cause us as men to reach out to other men and to mentor
mentor the, the next generation. Lord, let us always be mindful of passing the torch to the next generation of men for godliness, Lord. Don't let us shrink back. Cause us, Lord, to be men who are bold and unashamedly share the good news of the cross, of your mercy, of your love. Lord, cause us to love you deeply as men. Lord, cause us to know you intimately as we study the word individually and together. Cause us to follow you closely as men who want to seek your face as, as David talks about in the 27th Psalm. Lord, draw us close to you. Let us be, cause us to be, Lord, that man, your man. And Lord, I thank you for my brothers. What a blessing it is to lock arms with these guys and spend this time in prayer and fellowship and celebrate your word and worship uh, your, your holy name. And so we thank you for loving us. And Lord Jesus, we do love you. And we pray this in your name. And all the men, mighty men of God said, Amen. Happy Father's Day, guys. Thanks for coming down.